Welcome to Investing in Integrity. I'm Ross Overline, CEO and co-founder of Scholars of Finance, a rapidly growing organization on a mission to inspire character and integrity in the finance leaders of tomorrow. If you're an investor, finance professional, or student aspiring to make an impact with capital, this show is for you. Investing in Integrity brings you conversations with leading minds in finance to help you learn how you can make finance a force for good by investing in integrity. In today's episode, we are thrilled to share our second SOF student panel. We spoke with three members of Scholars of Finance, Amrita from USC, Drake from UPenn, and Serena from UVA. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about finance as an industry, its reputation among Gen Z, and the finance culture on their various campuses. We talked about recruiting. For the students listening, they shared some tips on how to break into those top firms. We talked about what's most important to them as they consider what firm to work for and discussed how firm reputation factors into their decision-making process. We also touched on SOF how scholars of finance is influencing the finance culture on their campuses, the impact it's had on each of them individually, why they joined, and the impact that these young leaders hope to have in their careers. Today's conversation provides a unique window into how the next generation is thinking about finance and their career decisions, and we hope you enjoy it. Now, without further delay, we bring you Amrita, Drake, and Serena. Amrita, Drake, Serena, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Investing in Integrity podcast for our second ever student panel episode. You have big shoes to fill. Nishant, Sunrit, Joseph, and Adriana did an excellent job in the first episode, and I'm so thrilled to have the three of you in this episode. A lot of questions to ask you about scholars of finance, about finance itself, the industry, the future of the industry, the impact you want to make, so much ground to cover. First, can you each introduce yourselves to our audience and share a little bit about your background? Amrita, why don't you kick us off? Drake, over to you and Serena. We can go in alphabetical order. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Ross. So my name is Amrita. I'm a junior at USC. I'm studying business and I'm also getting a simultaneous degree in finance. So doing a master's and an undergrad at the same time, which is super cool. Next summer, I'll be at JP Morgan in the New York City office, working in their investment banking division. And I'm incredibly passionate about finance and just really happy to be here. Great. Thank you for having us as well. My name is Drake. I'm a junior at the University of Pennsylvania in the Huntsman program. So I'm studying finance, entrepreneurship, and innovation at Wharton and then international studies. And I will be at Blackstone next summer working in private equity on the strategic partners team. Thank you, Ross, again for having us. My name is Serena. I am a sophomore at the University of Virginia. I'm currently majoring in statistics and applying to UVA's business school. So hopefully going to be a double major in statistics and business. And I have not finalized what I'm doing next summer. I do have an offer, but I'm not sure that I want to take it yet. So I'll turn it back over to you, Ross. Well, Serena, I'm very curious to hear about this offer later on offline and to hear what happens next. Amrita, Drake, congrats on the roles at JP Morgan and Blackstone, respectively. Impressed, but not surprised. I'm very happy for you both. And I'm excited to hear about the impact that you make at the firms and Serena about the impact that you'll make at the firm that you go to next summer as well, once you lock that in. I have so many questions and cannot wait to dive in. First, I want to throw it to all of you in any order, whoever wants to jump in. What are you hoping to do with your career? What are your aspirations for the future? 
I'm really passionate about finance, but I would really love to use finance as a stepping stone into the industry that I have always been the most passionate about, which is cosmetics and skincare, makeup, things like that. I've been so into that stuff since I was in second grade. And I really think that finance could give me a really good stepping stone into it. I would love to see myself working as like a financial manager or might be shooting too high here, but as a CFO, something like that at a really, really great skincare company, because that's where my passions really lie. That's really great to hear. For me, my, I've always oriented myself so that I could just maximize the impact I'm having no matter what I'm doing. And I quickly realized that through finance, I could generate a lot of impact even if I don't go through the impact investing route, but just in general, there's a lot of impacts in the industry to be made. So that is where I'll be starting off my career, but then we'll see where it goes from there, whether that means starting my own business, going into politics. I always just want to set myself up to really maximize the impact I'm having on others. Yeah, similarly to Drake, I think finance for me is just because it touches so many different sectors and it's so incredibly important. That's, I think, what is always just drawn me to the industry. After, I guess, several decades, I think I've always been interested in going kind of back to the nonprofit space, which is kind of where I started in high school. I'm not sure like what specific uh, nonprofit. I do hope it has something to do with education because that's the social cause that I'm most passionate about. So I'm hoping through finance, I'll get a lot more of the technical skills. And then like in the nonprofit space, I would, I guess, similarly to Amrita, want to work in some sort of financial role for them. Well, Serena, I know of a nonprofit in the education space that's specifically targeting people in finance. I happen to know the person that runs it and started it and the other co-founder. So if you ever want to chat about future opportunities, feel free to reach out. Maybe before you accept your offer at that firm next summer too, you know? (laughs) I've got to say, I appreciate the variety and I'd say the diversity of aspirations you each have and the potential for impact in all of those, right? Serena, obviously doing nonprofit work is super important. It mobilizes urgent capital to urgent needs in the world. Drake, obviously starting a business, greenfield opportunities to make a difference in society and politics as well, right? To help shape policy and shape the rules that everybody in the business world has to play by, literally. And Amrita, a bit of a personal story, One of my loved ones had a really bad accident when they were young and had like 60 stitches on their face and head. And so makeup has actually been a very, very important thing in their life, right? It has played a really important role in their life, like feeling confident, showing up in their day-to-day lives when they were younger, hiding a lot of scars, which are, are now largely gone. So I think people underestimate like how much good skincare and cosmetics can do. And so I, I just want to say, I, I appreciate the aspirations that each of you have. I would love to dive into why you each join Scholars of Finance. I mean, any order would love to hear your motivation for joining this organization versus the myriad other finance related organizations or impact focused organizations on your campuses. I can start us off on this one. For me, I actually joined before as an incoming freshman in college, so before I even got to campus. And there were a couple of main motivations for that. Number one was when I was looking at what was available at Penn, we have, like you mentioned, a lot of finance clubs and organizations. We also have more impact-oriented clubs and, and organizations, but there weren't any organizations that combined the two and met at the intersection of those two. And I thought there was a huge gap there because if you look at the trajectory of finance, if we look at the trajectory of 
the world in general and what's empowering us to live our lives, but also in a business sense, what runs business, which runs politics, essentially. It's moving in a direction where finance is guiding that. It's becoming a steward. But at the same time, there is a lot more opportunity to use finance as a force for good and to really make a positive impact through finance. So the mission of Scholars of Finance itself really attracted me to, to join the organization. And then secondly, for me, it was also the opportunity to start something new because I was actually one of the co-founders at the Penn chapter. And then I also got to be in a community, both at the Penn chapter and then nationally, of like-minded individuals who also wanted to use finance to force for good. So it was those three factors that really attracted me to, to join Scar of Finance. Drake, I'll never forget when I got an email from a senior in high school asking if he could help co-found the UPenn chapter as he arrives at UPenn his freshman year. I think you were our youngest ever applicant to co-found a chapter of Scholars of Finance. And here you are, junior year, three years later, having served as president. Uh, it's come full circle, I'd say. It has, it has. Uh, Serena, how about you? What motivated you to join SOF at UVA? Yeah, so I would say there were two main reasons. Number one was definitely the mission. I think similarly to Drake, as I was kind of surveying UVA's clubs and offerings, Scholars of Finance, that mission really stood out to me because I didn't really see a whole lot of other organizations that I felt were very focused on ethics. There were some that were like, oh, we do ESG investing, or we have like discussions on ethics occasionally, but I don't feel like it was one of their core tenants. So that was the primary reason that Scholars of Finance attracted me. And then the second reason was also, I liked that it wasn't just a UVA thing. It was a nationwide community. I like that I would be able to meet other students from different universities, different backgrounds, and have discussions and understand that we all had the same passion for the mission of Scholars of Finance. So that was kind of the second reason. Thanks, Serena. I appreciate you sharing. And I'm grateful now for our listeners. Serena has been leading our chapter launch and chapter growth efforts for our new chapters over the summer. Serena, I think you've done an excellent job helping grow that national network. Just want to say thank you for that. Amrita, how about you? A little bit of like personal background here. My dad would always tell me growing up that if you don't do something with integrity, it's not worth doing or achieving at all. So in eighth grade, I have this vivid memory that like I had this assignment and my teacher had given me like full marks on it, even though I hadn't finished it. Like she had still given it to me. So I walk up to her and I was like, you got to take two points off my test. Like I didn't answer that. And I remember my friends around me were like, what is wrong with you? Like take the points. But what my dad said has always, always stuck with me. So when you get into finance and you hear about the reputation and you hear all the nasty things that people have to say, it's really hard to get involved and commit to something on campus. And when I joined Scholars of Finance, I saw like literally my two favorite things, something that I believed in since a very young age to my passion in finance. And Scholars of Finance really encapsulated those two together. And I really appreciated that intersection. And I knew I wanted to involve myself more with a mission like this. Amrita, what an incredible story. I'm so grateful. If your father listens to this podcast, thank you. Thank you, sir, for teaching integrity clearly successfully at such a young age. And Amrita, huge props for bringing that test to your teacher and asking them to take those points off that you didn't deserve. I think that's very, very admirable, incredibly admirable. Did the teacher end up taking the points off that actually happened? No, she actually just gave them to me. She was like, I appreciate your integrity. And then I went home and I told, I think I told my parents, I was like, oh, like integrity pays off. Like, I was <laughs> about it. 
<laughs> right, right. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. This to me, I think is a perfect segue into the next couple of questions I wanted to ask about the finance culture on campus. A lot of folks, our donors, executives, professionals who support scholars of finance, wonder what finance culture is like on campus these days. It's been, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years since they were in college. Some of them think, is it like Wolf of Wall Street? Is it just a bunch of sort of the stereotypical greedy, you know, I just want to make a ton of money. It's the money-making industry that want to get in. Is it really impact-oriented? You know, I talk to people in Gen Z, they're super mission-oriented. Is it like all that across the board? Can you provide a window to our listeners? What is the finance culture like on each of your unique campuses? So for UPenn, it's definitely a prevalent topic and culture. Number one, just because we have Wharton, which specializes in finance, but also you have a lot of people whose parents or were surrounded by people in finance earlier. So it's definitely front of mind for people. That said, I think there has definitely been a trend in terms of it being more, more impact focused compared to what it was when I talked to professionals now, but it's still not necessarily all roses and rainbows around finance at Penn. And what I mean by that is a lot of people wanted to go into it for the right reasons where they want to steward the world. They see the impact it can have And there's also that more intellectual curiosity component to it, that intellectual pursuit where you're constantly learning every day. You get to experience different fields, different disciplines. And I think that's really exciting for students. And we get to talk about that all the time. And that is definitely a a prevalent part of, of Penn's culture. That said, I think there are still room for improvement among students in terms of embracing this more as more as a career as opposed to just solely a stepping stone. I think a lot of people think of finance as a means to an end where it can help them get to the career they want to be and it can help them put a good name on their resume. I think if it's more viewed as a place where you can make real change immediately after college and then obviously going forward in your career, then that that will just elevate the level of conversation we're having and the level of, of impact we're doing at school. But I think it's definitely grown in terms of that shift of that paradigm from where it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Thanks, Drake. I appreciate you sharing. Super interesting take on the UPenn culture. And I appreciate the point about people viewing it more as a career and a way to make an impact as opposed to as a means to an end. Serena, I'm curious, how would you compare or contrast the finance culture at UVA's campus? Yeah, so I think One of the key things to note is that obviously UVA is a state school and we are a public school. And I think that kind of also shifts the dynamic a little bit for one, because we tend to have a lot of in-state kids. And actually I've noticed that one of the main reasons why some of the out-of-state students come is because of the business school, because relatively speaking, compared to some other in-state schools, UVA has a decently strong business program for their undergraduates. So that's, I've noticed, been a major attractor. I don't think UVA, unfortunately, is quite at the same level of Penn in the sense of, I think finance, the way that it's perceived is still more heavily, you know, the finance for a culture and mostly for money making and not really impact based. I think part of that is, as I mentioned before, we don't really have a lot of social impact focused finance clubs other than scholars of finance. 
And I think over time that will change, but that's just personally been my experience with it. Another thing to note is that UVA, our business school, is something that you have to apply into as a sophomore. So I think that also makes it a bit more toxic in the sense that everyone feels very pressured to get into a lot of top finance clubs or get a top finance internship before you even get into the business school because you you want to compete. You know that it's not really a guarantee. So I think that also makes it different because it forces people to always view it as a competition, like the end goal, getting into the finance majors is a competition and it's toxic. So I think that also makes it harder for the culture itself to become more of a finance as an impact-based career. I think because of that sort of just having to apply into it, that just, it doesn't really make it conducive to, I think, developing that culture in some ways. Drake, I'm all the way over here on the West Coast. I think finance and UPenn are literally synonymous to us. Like, that's how we regard it. We're like, everyone from UPenn is going to go off to Evercore, Lazard. They're going to go off to one of these top banks. Like, it's synonymous to us. So to hear your perspective on that was really, really interesting. Just like a West Coast perspective. For USC, I would say that the finance culture is very intense. That's probably how I would describe it. I mean, sophomores will start recruiting into finance clubs at the start of the year. I've studied for hours to get into clubs, just studying technicals so that other students can judge me and let me into clubs. So that's always been really stressful for me. That's always been very intense. But I would also say that USC has a really good support network with these things. Like our alumni are very, very helpful when you reach out to them. I had a really great experience with one person that I just cold emailed and I was like, I'm having trouble. I know you're 40 years older than me, but do you remember how to recruit? Like, can you help me out? And he ended up letting me intern for him and it was just great. So very intense, but also very supportive is how I would describe USC. Yeah, I think that's super interesting for both schools. How you describe it as like very intense and I mean, I think Penn definitely is intense in certain regards, but Serena, to your point where you have to apply to McIntyre partway through your college experience, I think that's one thing we definitely benefit from here at Penn is we know if we're in Wharton or not early on, and then, because we have to apply as a high school student, and then you can transfer in as well, but I think that definitely helps in terms of being less stressful while you're actually on campus. Sure, we have the finance clubs that are hard to get into, a lot of people want to join them, there definitely is a cushion saying like, oh, at the end of the day, we're all in Wharton. It's a very prestigious program. And if we do want to pursue finance, that's definitely an, a viable option for us. I think that's super interesting to hear that contrast there. And then also, I think to your point, Mamirta, like, I think the support network is a huge part. And I'm sure the same is at UVA too, where I think a lot of people that do go into finance from these schools and Penn included really do like helping other students, really are looking out for each other and want to build that culture where everyone's supporting each other throughout the journey. Yeah, I was going to say, Serena, some of our UVA alumni in the Scholars of Finance community are some of our most engaged alumni. I can name a few people in my head who I hope are listening to this podcast to hear about how things are at UVA. And actually, our USC alumni are super engaged. Our Penn alumni are super engaged. I appreciate y'all sharing and going back and forth a bit too about the finance culture. There's clearly uh, diversity of cultures on different campuses, right? Different contexts, different circumstances. How do you each think that scholars of finance has been influencing the overall finance culture on your campus, if at all? 
SOF is pretty new to USC. So SOF is going to have its one-year USC anniversary in December. That's when I got recruited in. So very new. But from the cohort that I've seen so far, I see a lot of enthusiasm, which I haven't really experienced in the other finance clubs I've been a part of. Like the other clubs I show up to, I'm like, all right, I'm here. Networking time or technicals workshop time. I'm here. I'm doing it. And SOF, I remember talking to some of the like new LDP members and they were like, I've never sat down and just talked about my feelings, like talked about my values and my morals. This is finance club. Like, am I in the right place? And I'm like, yeah, like this is what makes SOF so special. So although we are new, just hitting one year, I think there's a lot of positive impact being done and a lot that's coming in the future. Yeah. For anyone listening at other chapters, any of our 1300 candidates and members, when you're in finance, you have feelings too. You know, people in finance also have feelings and hopefully they have a clear defined set of core values that guide their decisions before they go off and manage billions of dollars and shape our society around us. Serena, Drake, how about you? How do you feel like SOF has, if at all, influenced the culture on your campuses? Yeah, so similarly to Armortown and USC, UVA is also a pretty new chapter. We will be hitting our one-year mark one month after USC does. So in that sense, we have not developed a very strong influence just quite yet, but I think we will build that over time. And it's nice to know that we still have time to kind of shape that since we're still sort of in the beginning stages of getting recognized on campus, not in the sense of official recognition, just getting recognized by more students. But I will say one thing I've noted is that I feel like students, when they come to us through the interview process to get into the chapter, they do tend to feel a little more relaxed just because we've tried to make it clear that we don't want to make it a very toxic process. And I think some other clubs, again, because of the way the business program is structured here, do make it into a little bit more of a toxic process that compared to what we've tried to develop and what we've tried to emphasize. So I think our goal really is to just to continue that and continue that in the program too, not just for the recruiting, just to make it so that it's a very welcoming culture and that everyone feels like it's a very safe and tolerant space because I'm not going to specifically call out any names or anything like that, but I do feel like on the UVA campus, there are still a few clubs that sort of contribute to that. And I'm glad that some students, I think, felt a little better through that recruiting process. Serena, you're really nice, dude. I name drop first names, last names. Like I will call people out left, right, center for that because I feel like it really stops like myself from getting into it. Like you're really nice about it. I have been aggressive about that stuff. That is so funny. Serena, I'm going to ask this question on behalf of the boomers, the Gen Xers listening to the podcast. You've said toxic a handful of times. What does a toxic process look like? Define toxic in this context? There's some that I think are a little excessive in terms of their applications. It's like several essays, resume drop, things like that. And then it's like a three interview process, a presentation. And I think it also just in general, from some of the anecdotes that I've heard from some people that have kind of gone through this process, there have been some cases where they've been told or they've heard afterwards that they ended up, even after going through all this work, they were only accepted or they were only rejected because of not fitting a certain vibe or because they weren't the right candidate in terms of diversity. I've also heard that. So I think there is also some element of just 
the way that it's being picked because the university can't police that. So oftentimes it's very much based off of the students and whether the students themselves are have very high ethical standards. Well, there's the application process and then there's the selection process. I see. Thanks, Serena. I appreciate that. Drake, what's the impact been on UPenn's campus? Yeah, it's very interesting hearing Serena Mirza's point of view because it's a little bit different than Penn. We've been on campus for my whole college career. So we're in year three now. And I think as it's grown, there's definitely been a noticeable shift in terms of the impact it's had on the student body. Because first and foremost, it is very much impacting the students that have gone through SOF through the LDP program who are still members today and who have graduated are now alumni of the program. And very similar effect where they are really cultivating the values. They are understanding how they can lead in the finance industry with integrity and with a core set of of values. But I think the the interesting shift that I'm seeing at least is it's impacting students outside of scholars of finance on campus too. And what I mean by that is, A, everyone knows what scholars of finance is. When you bring it up, they're like, oh, that's the integrity finance club or That's a club that you learn how to be a steward of finance going forward. And I think because of that recognition, as well as just we have a growing number of students who have been a part of scholars of finance, I think people are more intuitively thinking about, okay, what is the importance of ethics of finance? What is the importance of having integrity, of being a steward in finance look like? Because that's already a group on campus, number one, but number two, I'm just hearing this more and more. So I think it leads to a lot more introspection among the entire student body and not just the students that have gone through the process of scholars of finance at that. Even if only some subset of students have gone through the program, the rest who are hearing about it, it's actually begging the question finally for them, right? Exactly, exactly. That is so interesting. I I think on one hand, the people who join scholars of finance, they already are thinking about these questions how can you be ethical and also go into finance versus the students that don't join scholars of finance, at least from the onset, to your point, that might not even be a question that pops to their head. And now this helps them start to formulate that they can start to introspect. And then I think that in itself is becoming an organic way of, of creating this larger movement of producing ethical leaders, not just that have gone through the scholars of finance program, but anyone that's indirectly touched by it. That gives me a lot of hope, Drake, to hear Amrita, Serena. I hope that that gives you both a lot of hope for the impact that you're going to have at USC and UVA. We just had an earthquake recently in the Bay Area. So forgive me the analogy because I felt the shockwaves of that earthquake not too long ago while I was at my desk. The shockwaves of scholars of finance permeate out right beyond the people who are at the epicenter. That's so cool. That's so cool. It kind of segues into a question that I wanted to ask next, sort of shifting from you know, scholars of finance, the culture on campus. Let's talk about the industry itself, the industry you're hopefully catapulting yourselves into from campus. What reputation does finance have on your campus among other students? I think the first thing that a lot of the kids that end up reaching out to me for coffee chat say is it's hard. It's hard to get into, it's hard to work in, and it's hard to get out of. So that's the most common thing I've heard from freshmen and sophomores that are like, I like finance, but I don't know if I could work in it, which really sucks because I don't think that's how it has to be at all. I think that they just have these preconceived notions based on 
the things that we've been seeing in the media lately with investment banks and the intensity of that analysts go through. And I think people tend to perpetuate that further and further. Yeah, I think at a pen, it's, it's sort of similar to the sense that people think it's definitely intense because of the hours, because of the type of work you're doing, and because of the structure in terms of the teams and what that dynamic looks like. And I think also on top of that, I think there's this notion that in finance, it also seems like it's cutthroat in the sense that I just had a talk with a firm that came to campus giving a, it was a speaker series essentially. And he was saying that at his firm, they accept, let's just say 50 associates. And then after the two year program, they just keep two or three or four, but it's like a minimal amount and to get to the next level. And because of that, you could just visibly notice across the room of, of the students listening to him, there was just a sudden jolt. People became a lot more tense, like, oh my gosh, went from 50 to two. And these are already like top of the top candidates. I think there definitely is a little bit of fear in saying, wow, it definitely seems like it's still a dog eat dog world out there. Even if on campus, the students are definitely more collaborative, more supportive. I think there still is that connotation that in the professional world, it's very much still cutthroat in a certain sense. Yeah, I'd say cutthroat describes how people perceive finance pretty well. Um, also just stressful. And I think for you guys specifically, also, it feels like if you want to go into finance, you really have to be very self-motivated. We're not really allowed to take corporate finance, like in terms of classes until like our junior year. So in terms of recruiting and whatnot, a lot of UVA students just really have to rely on networking through clubs, teaching the material to themselves, because we don't really get that material taught to us until the time like recruiting is already happening or it's already finished. So I would say that's probably the general impression that most UVA students have of it, just that it's a very stressful and very competitive industry. And also it's something that you really have to prepare yourself for because you're not going to be adequately prepared by the university itself in time for that recruiting cycle. It sounds like there's a lot of similarities in how students view it across the country at all of your campuses. And it's interesting because when you think about an industry, which it is, that requires a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline, long hours at times, you need something propelling you and driving you, right, for weeks, months, years, decades in that kind of environment. And there are only a few things that have the strength and the, the potency to do that. You know, greed is one of them. Greed and self-interest is one of those things. On the other hand, serving a purpose greater than yourself, making a positive impact on the world, helping others, leaving this world a better place, that can also fuel and galvanize someone for an entire lifetime. I don't quite work investment banking hours anymore, like I did in tech and fintech, frankly, but I work close to that here at Scholars of Finance. You know, you've all heard me say when I show up to our Monday meetings, you know, I feel great. I'm so happy it's Monday. I'm so excited to be here. Feels like I'm not working a day in my life, right? Because all of us together are, are serving a purpose greater than us, right? Making a difference in the world. And suddenly work doesn't feel like work. It feels like this joyful, beautiful calling and opportunity. I'm really curious for each of you, and what you, you hear from others on your campuses, what is the most important when considering the type of firm you want to join? Is it the vertical, the business focus, the people, the culture, the exit opportunities? What's the calculus you run when you're considering various firms and who you really, really want to go after for an offer? For me, when I was recruiting, 
I think culture and like DE&I commitment was one of the biggest things for me because I'm a woman of color going into finance. The odds were not stacked in my favor at all. So when I interviewed for JP Morgan, I remember that I've always been following Anu Iyengar, who's the global co-head of M&A. She's from India. She likes doing like Indian classical dance, which is something that I grew up doing. And when she interviewed for Wall Street in the 90s, I think, what they told her is wrong country, wrong gender, and wrong race. So hearing that, that she went through that, now she's like number three on the most powerful woman in finance. And I talked to my interviewer about that, actually. And he was like, oh, she's my boss. And I was like, cool. I was like, I was like, that's sick. And he was just talking about her and how inspiring she was and how she really engages with interns. And there's just like the sense of community and how people at JP Morgan inspire each other and commit to DE&I. And I think that's when I was like, I really hope I get this offer. I really, really, really hope I get this offer. And when I got the offer, I didn't think twice. Like I signed it so fast because in that interview, I realized the culture. I realized how positive people were and how committed people were to making other people feel included and how committed they were to letting other people create an impact in their firm. So that's what I was really looking for. And I found it, which I'm so, so, so grateful for. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of similarities I had with Amrita in terms of my process as well. For my team at Blackstone, the culture was definitely one of the biggest selling points for me because even in the interview process, I could tell it was very collegial. Everyone was very collaborative. And I talked about that notion of cutthroatness earlier. This definitely seemed like the opposite of that because everyone was laughing with each other, supporting each other. And it just seemed like an environment where I could really thrive in. And that was one of the things I was looking for is where could I grow the most? right after college in terms of my, of my career. And then also it definitely was about the type of work. For my team, I will be investing in other funds and assets. There's also a component of investing in impact as well. So there's just a lot of opportunity for me to drive growth, but also drive and steer the direction that we're heading in in society. To me, that was just really, really exciting as well. So for me, it came down to team and the, and the type of work that we were doing that really drew me to Blackstone. And that's what I was looking for throughout the whole recruiting process. Yeah, I think Amrita and Drake kind of really covered a lot of the culture aspect. I will say another thing that for me personally was very important was just seeing outside of what we do for work, what other things interns like to engage in. So for instance, the specific opportunities that I was applying for. Some of them mentioned like we require interns to do like a community service project together or some other sort of bonding activity or something with DEI. And I think that was also very important to me. It kind of fits back into culture, like besides work, what is the firm hoping interns will do? What kind of opportunities does the firm have for interns to connect together? That was one of the key things within culture that I was looking for beyond just, oh, interns will you know, this is how we will work together. This is how projects will be assigned. I think especially the community service aspect was important to me because I liked seeing that the companies cared about that and that they expected their interns to also care about giving back. So I would say that's probably one of the main things that I was also considering. Interesting. I, I appreciate you sharing. I'm curious, how much did the firm's reputation factor into your decision-making? I can be very candid and say a lot. Like, honestly, just speaking, I think the first thing I wanted out of college was a very strong job because I know that it could potentially accelerate my career. So honestly, it did matter a very good amount to me. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Especially as someone who is considering going into the public sector, but even just as someone that wants to carry like a good name with me in whatever I'm doing, the reputation definitely mattered in the sense that I wanted to go somewhere that had a reputation for always doing the right thing for making sure that it didn't cross the line, that it was really investing in impact for the right reasons. And to me, Blackstone in general, but specifically my group definitely checked all the boxes there. I think for me, just because I'm currently a sophomore, I would imagine that when I'm recruiting as a junior, I will be focusing more on that. As a sophomore, my main consideration, while firm reputation was part of it, I think my main consideration was more so the skills that I will gain and how that will set me up for a junior year internship and how that will set me up for full time. Because just knowing the way with recruiting that internship, that junior year internship will be more important in terms of full time and whatnot. So that was my main focus for the sophomore year, just making sure that whatever opportunity I have, it gives me a strong technical background. I'm not just doing sorts of background tasks or anything like that, that I really do have an opportunity to learn. I think that was really the key thing. Firm reputation was probably right after that or a few places after that. It was so important. I just think just by virtue of not being a junior yet, it wasn't really one of my very top considerations. So, you know, I really appreciate the way you think about that. I think there's something to learn from how you think about that. And I think we could all like definitely take it up from you on that. Thanks, Serena. Thanks, Amrita, all of you for sharing. We only have about 10 minutes left in our time together. I would love to segue into a rapid fire round where I want to hit all three of you with some questions. Don't think too hard about it. What comes to mind right away? Are you all cool if we jump into a rapid fire? All right. Segwaying off what Serena just said and your comment, Amrita, what is one key piece of advice you'd offer any finance students listening, right? Any fellow candidates or members or people who aren't in SOF for landing that internship, that job, building that career in finance? Believe in yourself. You can do it. For me, it's uh, doing it for the right reasons and going into what you want to go into for the right reasons. I would say don't underestimate networking and also don't underestimate the behavioral part. Don't ignore that just for technicals. Love it. Amazing responses. I want to hard pivot. Right now, we're in a really difficult macroeconomic environment. And, you know, finance professionals, people out in the industry, a lot of the executives who I talk, you know, the CEOs, the partners, et cetera, that I talk to on a day-to-day basis, you know, our donors, our mentors, our advisors, most of our conversation is about the macroeconomic environment, inflation, interest rates, a recession through 2023. I'm curious, as rapid fire, how much do you and your classmates think about and talk about the macroeconomic environment? And what's your perspective or perception of the current economic environment? I know that's a big question for a rapid fire round. Just curious at a high level. For us at PAD, we definitely talk about it almost every day, if not every day, because it touches all our classes. And then we're also very interested in it. And there also is a little bit of fear that that might impact some of our employment opportunities going forward. But for me, I think it's definitely tougher right now. And it's going to be tough for the next six to 12 months, but there's also going to be a lot of opportunity that comes with that. So I think just the general dynamic of businesses as well as industries will change, hopefully for the better coming out of what we're in right now. Yeah, I would say we talk about it a decent amount too. However, I would say the main 
reasons I've heard people talk about it is just because people are so stressed about what internships they're going to get. And they're wondering like, oh, with this current, like the macroeconomic trends and concerns about a recession, like how is that going to affect our employment or our opportunities over the summer? I would say that's what I've mainly heard. And then, yeah, my general, I guess, perspective on the on the macro economy is personally I am a little worried as well. However, at this time, I think I'm just trying not to dwell too much on it because it's not really something I personally have control over, but also just being aware of it and making sure that you're keeping up with it. I think in terms of the economy, we do talk about that a lot just because of the classes that we're in. The economy comes up a lot. I think something that we do is we'll go shopping and we'll look at it and we'll be like, oh my God, bagels used to be $3. Now they're $5. Inflation is happening, guys. It's real. It's affecting us right now. So that's another way we talk about it. But I'd say the holistic way, like the more macroeconomic scale, we do have more intellectual conversations besides bagels. Yeah. Hey, you can have a lot of intellectual conversations about bagels. There's like tons of metaphors, lots of analogies that can be drawn. You know, I don't want to be disparaging towards bagels, Alberta. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I wish that for our listeners, you could see us all on video for half of this episode. We've all been like smiling and laughing together. Everyone's on mute respectfully, but we've been having a lot of fun on this episode. You just can't hear it on the audio. Another rapid fire question. What impact do you each hope to have on the world through finance? For me, I think it comes back to my my personal mission of just maximizing my positive impact. I hope to be able to invest in opportunities that give others the best opportunity for economic advancement, for financial advancement, for educational advancement, and for environmental advancement. I think for me, I want to really grow within a firm and hopefully set up some kind of women's network, do some outreach for like young females in India, because a lot of them don't even know about finance as a career pathway. I think in India, especially people are told to go into certain careers and I would love to like go back, recruit from there and really just set up some kind of initiative to give back to where I'm from. I think for me, it goes back to education at the very core. I think financial literacy in particular is a really important thing to help, especially for, I think, the students that are just, their families have gone through cycles of poverty, just helping them break out of that. I think financial literacy is incredibly crucial and arguably, I would say, the most crucial component of a solution for something like that. So that's eventually, once I've had several decades in the industry, ideally, I would want to work on some sort of initiative related to that. Incredible aspirations, all three of you. I'm so grateful that you're leaders in this community of scholars of finance and blazing the trail for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of students after you in the years and decades to come. With that said, my final rapid fire question. I know a lot of our, especially our professionals in our network will be curious to hear this. You've all been really involved on your campus and at your chapters, co-founding your chapters, helping grow your chapters on the national team. How have you personally benefited from your involvement in SOF? What is the impact that SOF has had on you so far? I think I met the most people willing to help through SOF. I met people that I just emailed them and I was like, hey, I'm an SOF student. I'm recruiting. I need help. And immediately I got a calendar invite with, let's talk. Let me help you out. 
I think SOF really perpetuates a community of togetherness as well as reciprocity where I'm a student right now and I'm being helped, but I'm so excited to graduate and be the one helping. So I think SOF really works like that. And I know that within three months of joining the club, I had a network built like Ross, I was messaging you about my Google calendar and I didn't even have this position then, but you were so happy and so helpful. And I've noticed that with literally everyone in SOF. Yeah, I could not agree more that this has definitely been the community that has helped me the most throughout college, whether that be on the national side, whether that be at Penn, whether that be professionally. I've gained so many mentors through Scholars of Finance, so many friends through Scholars of Finance, and just a large community that I can rely on. So that's number one. And then number two is just, I've just learned so much through Scholars of Finance. It definitely has changed my view on how I perceive finance as an industry, as well as what we can do within the industry. So it's definitely helped shape what I want to do in the future with finance in general. Yeah, similarly to Drake, I think number one for me, it's just, I think it's a very comfortable space beyond just, of course, the helpfulness in terms of helping with recruiting and whatnot. I think it's just, it's a space where I feel that I won't be judged. I feel generally speaking, less stressed compared to when I'm doing pretty much everything else. So I really appreciate that. We spend so much time developing this space and putting so much effort, especially on the culture and community building. And I think it's really paid off. And then the second thing is also the different perspectives that I think you learn. Even though I've been interested in finance for some time, I still definitely had a relatively negative perception of it. And I think scholars of finance really helped show that there is, I think, hope in the industry. Fabulous. Thank you, everyone. Really, really appreciate you sharing. Um, we've only scratched the surface. I could ask a hundred more questions. We are at time. And so I want to thank you each for coming, for sharing your perspective, for sharing your experience. I'm happy to hear that this community has helped you grow, learn, develop, has been supportive to you, is making an impact on your campus, is making an impact on your members, not just yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see how much impact each and every one of you make in the months, years, and decades ahead. And with that, I just want to thank you for your time and we'll, we'll wrap up there. Thanks, Thanks for having Ross. me, Rose. Thank, thank you, you everyone. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Investing in Integrity by Scholars of Finance. I want to share a huge thank you to our advisors, directors, donors, team, and our members who make this all possible. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedback for us, you can send it to hello at scholarsoffinance.org or by visiting our website. Until next time, please join us on our mission to inspire character and integrity in the finance leaders of tomorrow.